Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete. How you doing, Nikki Kinzer? I'm doing pretty good on this uh, this day. This day? This day. Is <laughs> that so where we are? We've totally given up on identifying days. That's good. That's, sat- yeah. that's satisfying. It's satisfying. Yeah. Uh, we just got the word that we are uh, that we're uh, stuck until I think July sixth. Now they've extended the stay at home. So great! That's awesome. Really, I've not heard that. That's Our fair like- governor Kate Brown yesterday. That affects you too, Nikki Kinzer. I thought that she was gonna try to open some stuff yeah. on or on uh, May fifteenth. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. It's uh, you have just the latest the, news. The long march. To the sea. That's all we're doing is just the long march. But that's okay because we have a delightful guest who's going to keep us uh, in in good spirits by teaching us wonderful things uh, that we need to learn about our ADHD. Before we do that, though, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we will send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, or if you just like hanging out with the guests that we have on this show, like today's guest, who is amazing, you should head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. For just a few bucks a month, you can join one of our tiers and access our online community of ADHD, uh, wonderful ADHD patrons who share their stories and support with one another through our online Discord community or our online Facebook page, uh, just for the group. You can watch the live stream of the show each week as we record it, and you can get access to the podcast in your very own members' podcast feed a week early uh, before everybody else, and it doesn't even have any ads in it. So uh, it's all great news. And I will say, I made a pitch last week that we had a new product coming to the store, and uh, it's here. So if you want to get your very own non-medical grade masks sporting the ADHD logo stuff, you can do that now. But it's a little bit tricky. You have to go over to our merchandise page before, I think, probably 10 a.m. Pacific time each day. They restock each morning. So if you go later in the day, they're probably out of them, uh, frankly. It is a very complicated time for people who are manufacturing masks and uh, especially logo merch masks. They only get about a thousand a day for everyone that they are providing masks for. So this is the deal. You show up before 10 o'clock, you place your order. It takes two weeks to 20 days to get your mask with the logo stuff on them. Uh, I will tell you the masks are $15 and for every one mask that you buy, the non-medical grade mask, they will send a medical grade mask to direct relief, which will be distributed to frontline healthcare workers. It is a, a great way to give back to the community in just a, a small part. If you feel if you're feeling like me, uh, a little bit lost, I ordered five masks for everybody in my family and just feel like it it's it's gonna do us some good and uh, you know, I love those squirrels so, so much. So uh, head over to TakeControlADHD.com slash merch. TakeControlADHD.com slash merch if you want to get in on one of those masks. You just have to click on the design and then, um, you know, select the masks and you'll you'll see them there. It's easy to find. So thanks, everybody.
Dr. Michelle Frank is here. She's a clinical psychologist specializing in providing diagnostic and treatment services to individuals with ADHD. Her work with clients is all about finding strengths-based approaches to learning how to live with ADHD. And the last time she was here, she helped us through all of the things we needed to know about shame and how it impacts relationships. And unfortunately, it turns out we weren't finished. There is more guilt, <laughs> shame, and relativism to talk about in ADHD than we ever would have expected. So she's back to help us uh, level up a little bit. Uh, she's uh, Her book, last time she was here, her book was about to come out. This is a book she co-authored with Sari Solden, A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD, Embracing Neurodiversity, Live, Embrace Neurodiversity, Live Boldly, and Break Through Barriers. So many words for me to put in my mouth. It is now out, and you can go get it. Link in the show notes. Welcome back, Dr. Michelle Thank Frank. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Welcome. Uh, we were talking about different um, avenues, and I had some inspiration here. Uh, from one of our members of Discord, they were having a conversation around feeling guilty um, for having fun or being happy during the pandemic uh, when so many people are are negatively affected by by COVID. Um, that was one thing that you know I wanted. I thought would be a good thing to address. Uh, but it was also a couple of other things: is feeling strange about when they hear about what other people are doing. So whether they're having fun or they're getting like things really organized and cleaned out and they're doing all these projects at home, but they're just staying at home. So there's kind of this like guilt, right? Of, of, uh, I should be doing more, um, kind of thing. And then there was also some conversation around what's normal, what people should be doing. Um, and I, you know, notice I use the word should right? In quotes. Uh, so it got me thinking about a show and a topic and how could we kind of wrap all this stuff um, into into one. And what kind of came to me was this like cycle of comparison, guilt, and shame. It's like the comparison kind of comes first, right? You're looking at what everyone else is doing. The guilt kind of starts to set in because you're not doing that. And then the shame comes in by, okay, I must be a bad person because I'm not doing that. Does that, you guys understand where I'm coming from? Well, and it's funny. It's very timely too. I just opened, I opened the, I, my news reader this morning and read this, this article on that just popped up about uh, COVID snitching. Uh, people who are so, like, they are so frustrated by uh, what they see with people like flouting, uh, you know, recommendations, stay-at-home orders, they're going out, they're not wearing masks, they show up at events, that they're starting to call the police when they see, like, groups of kids outside their house or, um, you know, I... <laughs> I was social the, policing. Yeah, yeah, social policing. Mm -hmm. And they were... they, And I thought it was interesting because that's that's what I would call it, right? Social policing. But they did call it COVID snitching. And that sounds thought, way catchy. That's so, so way like, better. you can really market I would that. click that. I would right. click that. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but there is this, there is this other sense that I find myself dealing with. And I'm, you know, for, I don't know, uh, the, the ADHD part, I, I struggle with a little bit because I might have a feeling of, um, you know, guilt that I'm not getting enough done or shame that I'm not, you know, living my, my COVID quarantine life to its fullest extent. Extent. Uh, but I also have this darker side that I perseverate on the schadenfreude, the look, 
you who are opening your state today, like, I don't want more people to die, but I also do want you to get a message. And that feels really dark. And it's one of those, it's one of those uninterruptible patterns that I find I can get myself in. And that sort of leads to more guilt and more shame and more comparison and guilt and shame in that cycle. So there, there's my my three and a half cents. That's a good point. You know, I've even found myself feeling like getting sort of stuck in this feeling of like not being a good enough therapist or, or feeling like a fraud because some days I'm not doing the things I I know to do to cope well. You know, like mm-hmm. I know all the things and then don't always do the things. And so I guess that's just to say, I'm not sure we can ever fully escape that voice. It's about getting to a place where, you know, we don't get onto the train car with it and take it cross country, right? Like we, Mm -hmm. it gets quieter, it gets softer, it has less of an influence on our mood and what we choose to do or not. But, you know, can we ever get rid of that voice? I, I don't, think so um i think we can learn how to do it differently Mm. so let's talk about that (laughs) but i guess before we talk about the how i am curious to know and and michelle you and i were talking about this in via email kind of back and forth a little bit about the psychology behind what we're experiencing with covid and its effects on mental health because we are certainly seeing that um, so I, I'm curious from your standpoint, what's happening here? Oh, what isn't, right? Um, so a lot is happening. And I think um, it, we're starting to talk about mental health. Um, and we're going to continue to have to because it's it's going to be a pertinent issue for some time. Um, not that it wasn't before, right? But um, it's going to get bigger. Yeah, it's going it to get bigger. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm seeing is a lot of folks who were struggling with anxiety or depression or loneliness, you know, body image, eating stuff, anything you were struggling with before, probably going to come up. There's a, like a phrase, uh, stress and regress, right? Like we all sort of regress a bit under intense stress and when there's a lot of change that we feel we can't keep up with. So we're definitely seeing a rise in in anxiety and depression and loneliness. If you're at home, you know, with your family where there's a lot going on in those dynamics, all that's coming at the surface if you're quarantined together, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on on that end. But even from the perspective of just like your, your, your day-to-day, you know, average Joe or Josephine's mental health and daily functioning, let's be clear we're experiencing a global community trauma. And it's one that is ongoing. And typically, we integrate and make sense of and make meaning from trauma and once it's over. But this sort of just keeps unfolding. And there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with that. And the, the human brain and body definitely don't appreciate too much uncertainty. And so we're all being thrown into a stress response. One model I like to think about is it's called a window of tolerance. So I just, I want you to imagine like a a yellow bar or a Lego, and that has window of tolerance, zone of tolerance written on it. In that space, we are safe and social. We connect, we can be creative. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of people saying they're hitting creative blocks lately. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we can problem solve, we feel clear and good. Now, right above that, stack a red Lego. And on that's written hyper arousal. That's fight or flight. That's anxiety, anger, irritability, um, you know, increased heart rate. I, I call that home. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a sympathetic nervous system response to, you know, to get you moving in response to a threat it, or, you know, to go home, Pete. And so then underneath the yellow block, there's a blue leg out and that's hypoarousal. That's freeze. And that typically happens when fight or flight don't work or when we can't escape the stressor. Like nothing's working. And so we start shutting down. On an extreme level for folks who've experienced trauma, that looks like dissociation and, and very serious depression. But for those without those predispositions or past experiences, it might look like numbing out, uh, not feeling present, just collapsing on the couch with overwhelm. Now, I don't know about you, but this three-tiered structure looks a lot like daily ADHD life too, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was like, just saying, I don't even know what to call that vacation home, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I yeah. go back and forth. <laughs> right. It's so, so rare that I'm actually like in that yellow block. I would just swing from place right, to so place. Just, yeah. Like, it just makes me think, you know, it makes perfect sense. The ADHD brain struggles to regulate arousal states and it struggles to regulate... It, emotion state. So it makes perfect sense that the ADHD brain would do a lot of bouncing in this, this bound, we'll call it a bounce house. Now it went from <laughs> Lego structure to bounce house. <laughs> right. And, but everyone is experiencing some form of this. It might be, you know, sort of stress response light. Uh, and some people really are just chilling out in the zone of tolerance. But for a lot of folks that kind of bounce back and forth all day long, and our is our bodies and brains trying to make sense of what's going on? Is it common then for, I mean, I, I would think that this is probably common even outside of COVID, but I'm just curious for ADHDers to compare themselves when they see people in the yellow and they think, oh, that's where I need to be. Gosh, you know, there, there's research on the increased negative self-talk and negative thought patterns that happen for folks with ADHD that is very real, but I don't know about you know you guys and your experiences, but um, in my personal experience and with my clients, I hear a lot of comparison to um, this this bar of ideal expectation that is set around neurotypical functioning mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and idealizes it. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, that is exactly it. That's the comparison thing because uh, I'm idealizing. Uh, not just behavior, but identity, right? Yes, when I look, I there you go. There that's you it. go. That's it. Oh, I just you just put that together. Add another Lego block. Add or, another block. <laughs> yeah. Identity. Green. Yeah. Green. <laughs> exactly. And there ends up being a lot of um, self statements like, "I am not good enough. I am too much. I'm." Uh, irresponsible. I'm a burden. I'm not a good parent. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. I am uh, not a good partner. I'm not a good friend. I, like it just goes straight to I am, and then it becomes yeah. all consuming. Yeah. 
one thing goes wrong and then boom, I'm, I am bad. Yeah. If I look at somebody on, you know, social media, Instagram, whatever, who is making good use of their, oh my gosh, they wrote another novel, uh, then I start to misappropriate the, the behavior for the identity. Uh, and, and so I'm thinking, well, if only I could write a book and focus on a book, then I would be a better person. But because I can't, I must be a failure. I I must be bad. I must be awful. I'm going to die alone. And I don't even need to say those words because I'm saying, well, they wrote a book. That feeling, I don't even need the negative self-talk anymore. It's like a shortcut around the words themselves for me to feel crappy. This is great. Totally. Great. Totally. You know what's interesting (laughs) is research on comparison uh, really fascinates me because it is something we do. It's it makes evolutionary sense. Like we're always scanning the environment and not, you know, other people to make sure we're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they, they got sick after they ate that. Don't eat that. Like that, that's helpful. Uh, but they wrote a book during a global pandemic and I didn't, not helpful. Uh, <laughs> but research says that we are terrible, terrible, accurate observers and comparers. <laughs> we always compare ourselves to above average Um, metrics or characteristics, even when, and this is the funny part, even when those traits are not desirable. So if you say, compare yourself to someone who acts in a, you know, rudely has rude behavior, even that we will overshoot. Like (laughs) it's, we're just bad at it, (laughs) but we take it for truth. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Well, you you think about that, like in mass media, I think about that when I look at, um, you know, anytime I happen across a like a true crime story and I think, oh, I could have stolen more than that guy or <laughs> like, yeah. God, if only he tried harder, he could have, you know, done more damage or something like that. That's totally true. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? <laughs> that's, that's nuts. You're in you're in constant competition. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is so interesting, though, Michelle, when you said tr- they take it as true, like it is the truth. And and it's so I see it time and time again, especially with women and um, around being a parent, you know, mothering and I'm a stay at home mom. I should have the house in order. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Well, my neighbor who's neurotypical, she seems to be doing just fine. But in reality, she's not. She's also a huge mess, right? Like, but she maybe isn't, I don't know. I think she probably is communicating it, right? But they don't necessarily see it. I don't know, but it is. It's, It's taking something that's so true. And yet it's so... Uh, self-sabotaging. It's so, um, it just doesn't serve you in any way. So how, how do you even get to a point where you see that? Yeah. Yeah, Where you recognize, wait a minute, this may not be what, what I see or think may not be true. I think when it starts to feel bad, that's a good (laughs) sign to just just stop and, and sit. And I do think it's important to get into a space of discernment and ask yourself, what is the essence of the thing I think I want? So perhaps I want the tidy house like my neighbor has. Perhaps I want, you know, the fit body like the girl at, you know, Pilates class. But what is the essence of that that I'm actually looking for? Is it living up to uh, an external mandate that's just made up? Or is it that a tidy house would feel like clarity 
and a fit body would feel like energy and strength. Because from there, you can say, okay, how, what does it look like to feel clarity today for me? For me. Right. What does it look like to feel strong today for me? And we can reorient uh, from the inside out. We all tend to orient first from the outside in. Again, it's that social referencing we do to make sure we're, we're doing okay. But we, research has shown us we're really bad at that. So we might as well take a different route, mm-hmm. one that brings us more joy. I really like what you said. What What is clarity for me? I think that that for me is a really important part of adding that to your internal conversation. I love that. It's not going to look the way it looks for any other person, mm-hmm. regardless of their space on the neurodiversity spectrum. And also, I think comparing, I see this time and time again, too, comparing yourself to other ADHDers. Well, they have ADHD and look at how well they are put together. So again, I think going back to what is it for me? What works for me? What do I need? I, I, I don't know how, uh, just a shout out to our community, because I don't know how the ADHD group has it doesn't have more of of that when i'm hanging around on our discord group i don't i don't feel like i'm comparing myself to other adhders in that community but as soon as i go out and look at other people who are somehow mm-hmm. appear so miraculously successful with their adhd then i start to to really think about that that is crazy talk why would i be like even if i were standing next to me if I had another me right here, it would be ridiculous for me to try to compare myself to that guy. I, I, that is like climbing a ladder with no rungs because <laughs> we're just trying to get through the day. And uh, and I, I feel like it's important to, knowledge, to acknowledge that. And so I think about you, the, the word that really stood out to me is discernment. Um, because that is that is like we love to say a muscle, right? That's a thing we have to learn to do, and it takes practice, and it takes daily effort and heavy lifting to figure out: Am I lying to myself today about my own reality? Right, mm. right. Reinventing our voice and rewriting the narrative takes practice. Yeah. We don't just wake up one day suddenly with like nothing but positive self-talk in our mind. Yeah. We have to seek that out, that our brain naturally goes towards finding the bad stuff so we can protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. But you know, then we end up in this space, again, the stress response, we end up in this space of overprotection. And we can't be in protection and connection at the same time. Not You can have boundaries. You can't be overprotected and guarding against all of these negative thoughts, all of these external messages about how you should or shouldn't be and still thrive. Can can I ask you a question? You're talking about a stress response, right? And I know that there is a a sort of uh, uh, a clinical discussion around stress response that we've been having, but is there such a thing as a trust response, uh, as as, uh, like conditioning yourself to look at the world in such a way or to respond to stimulus in such a way that says, hey, I'm going to be okay when I look at this thing. Like I am, I've, I've achieved this, the space of being in a trust response. I'm going to trust that this is okay. I love that trust response. You know, like science would say that's the, it's what we would call the ventral vagal state. That's that safe and social space ultimately. And it takes practice. It takes practice recognizing um, the cues of safety. 
You have to look for those instead of just what in this moment is proof that something's wrong or I'm doing something wrong or I'm not good enough. What if we looked for proof of the opposite that actually we're safe and okay? Mm-hmm. And kind of moving into that space, writing them down if you have to, like keeping um, a log of what are the signs and cues that I'm okay. That's it, right? Is is figuring out how to define for me what what makes the world an okay place to be in right now? What makes the world a place that's more calming, not more anxious? Because I'm really good at the other stuff. I'm really good at living in the red brick, but I'm often not so good at, you know, putting on an old Prince record and like chilling with a guitar and loving it. Like, I'm just not good at that. And I was good at that when I was a kid, but uh, I'm I'm not good at at sitting still anymore and recognizing the the icons, the objects, the the signals that everything's okay. Yeah, I think I think art, music, and nature are really good at getting us there. And then, like, we slowly add in trusted people. Maybe later, like, maybe it starts with your pet, and you know, uh, on a nature walk, and that's where you feel safe. Mm-hmm. But then you can slowly kind of branch out. But it's interesting what you say. Like, you you feel that that's gotten taken away and i wonder if part of it is that as we get older we have just keep internalizing these mandates about what we're supposed to be and we're supposed to be productive and you know work a certain way and look a certain way and do things a certain way we it's not okay to just be and you were in a state like then when you're listening to prince records and chilling out with your you're just you're just being mm-hmm. and we've got so wrapped up in doing that we forget about being And that that in and of itself is worthy. Yeah, that's beautifully said, because that is so true. I think that uh, people then feel guilty about doing the guitar and playing music because they think that they should be doing something else. Well, because, I mean, look at the practical reality is the second I sit down and press play and start strumming along or whatever I'm doing and just being, I'm also somewhere in the back of my mind being late for something else or suddenly being aware that I've dropped the ball and I've let somebody down. Like, that is also a contingent state of my reality with ADHD. Right. And so that's that's the muscle. Like, how, like figuring out a way to recognize the those signals and let them be loud enough that I can silence the the other stuff is is you know the real challenge. Well, and I'd have to say, Pete, that would be the question too of how true is that all the time? Because you 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 know right because you jump to the conclusion that I might be late to I like I'm late to something I should be doing something else. But is that really true? Maybe at that moment at eight o'clock at night it really is okay for you to be doing that. So kind of, you know, second, not get, not second guessing, but. I do this all the time, Nikki, and that is so astute. I will sit down and think that I'm okay for a hot second, and immediately I'll just be in a space of late. Late for what? I can't answer that. Behind <laughs> on what? I don't, I know. don't know. I'm sure there's something. <laughs> Right. Like I, if I can't, that maybe is a thing. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down with my, I'm going to keep my little uh, uh, field notes with me. And when I come up to that feeling of, am I late? I'm going to write down what it's for. What am I late for? What am I behind on? Uh, and is anybody's head on fire if I don't do it right now? Because I don't, I don't do that enough. I usually just count on, okay, I'm, I'm missing it. And I think I miss a lot of 
stillness as a result. Yeah, we don't drop into the emotion of it either. Like we're afraid to, to sit with that discomfort that's coming up. But if we sit with it for a minute, we can usually untangle from it pretty quickly yeah. and get back to peace. I was talking to Dwayne, the, the president of ADA, the Tension Deficit Service Association, um, the other day, and we were actually talking about something very similar. And he said, Michelle, get out your, get out your calendar. Okay, Dwayne. And uh, he said, all right, I want you to find one hour in the next three days where you do absolutely nothing. And I want you to schedule it in like a client appointment. Oh, Dwayne. I said, well, I, and I was like, Dwayne. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I do that. I, I schedule like me time. He said, no, no, time to do nothing. Nothing. Na- navel gaze or whatever yeah. the, the phrase is. Nothing. Like stare at a wall. It is it is really telling that you had to actually reach for navel gaze, whatever that is. <laughs> right, exactly. Case in point. I don't know how to do that, right? Like, yeah. I, it, that felt so foreign, but I've been practicing it for um, a little bit now. And I've got to tell you, I, I really, really like it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> because That's often awesome. these other things creep in, the shoulds creep in. Yeah. The, well, oh, uh, you know, I'm laying here, I'm watching a show, but, you know, um, I really should be doing, you know, some push-ups or, or mm-hmm. you know, straightening or up the laundry while I'm sitting. Yeah. Like, no, just, just stop. Just stop. And I don't know who says this quote, but it's, it's a, um, don't move the way fear makes you move, move the way peace me- makes you move. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I think it helps to seek out the joy, like move the way that brings joy because joy isn't, it isn't a dopamine rush. It's not, it's not numbing out. It's not an adrenaline hit. It's, it's presence. It's like that contentment moment. and presence in the moment. I think that is a much better, um, compass for what's good and what comes from within than trying to stay away from what doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's easier to orient from a place of this does make me feel good in a way that's like good, good, not just immediate gratification. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to start there than it is to back up from, I feel bad. And now I have to undo, you know, kind of work my way out of the shame spiral and then start again. So I, I'm curious cause you have said just in the last couple minutes, two words that are really interesting to me, untangling and shame, which is a part of your book (laughs) title, right? (laughs) So I'm curious. uh, I know in your book, I've read it. There's a lot of different questions, a lot of insightful questions and exercises for people to, to do with what we're going what what with what we've been talking about and what we're going on how does that apply in in this situation like how how could somebody go pick up your book and actually use it for for what we're talking about the book talks a lot about untangling from shame messages in a more general sense related to living with ADHD and it starts with helping you break down where some of those messages came from in the first place mm. Um, where did you first experience the message that your differences were, quote, bad or not okay, um, or that having unique needs was not something that was okay to assert and set boundaries around? 
where did these messages originally come from? Because again, when we pause and we notice I'm feeling shame and we sit with it a lot of times, the past is coming into the present. And it can be so helpful just to say, just to recognize this, this is not that. This is not that. I am here now, right? Like I, I have a new choice now. I am an adult now. I have agency in this moment. Um, and then it's dropping into the body and, and kind of doing a body scan, seeing what do I feel? Where do I feel it? And what information does that give me about what I actually need? So again, it's, it's really a big, big pause button. It's a huge process of slowing down mm-hmm. and becoming the observer of the experience rather than living in it and from it. When we are in the experience of, I'm not good enough, I'm too much, I'm forgetting something, I'm a mess up, we get flooded with emotions. And uh, you know, it's just like a a water slide, just spiral right on down. Those thoughts just get worse and worse, more and more mean, and the emotions follow. Okay, so we have to pump the brakes on that, and by pausing, taking a few breaths, getting present with what we're experiencing, and then by naming it, name it to tame it, calling out the thoughts, calling out the shame, we can like kind of start to see it more as some like one part of our experience. So we're not fused with it. We're taking a step back so that we can like be the observer and say, okay, well, what, what do I, Michelle, want to do with this moment? Instead of, you know, feeling like our hair is on fire because we're so flooded with emotion that it's just totally become us. So we have to kind of pause so that those emotions come to a more workable space. So we can make some new decisions. Yeah. But when you're okay, so that's good. So when you are flooded, you can't make those decisions. So that's why you're saying you have to pause and really take a step back. And I like what you were saying before, too, of remembering that where the messages came from isn't true now. Like you you have the power to change that story. Um, right? Like you have that. That I I feel like that's a really strong message to be able to to walk through that and not just accept that because my second grade teacher said this that doesn't apply to me now as a woman in my forties. I say in my forties because I'm not gonna you know close right in forty. But <laughs> <laughs> and from that space, we can say okay, we can get back to that personal values question of okay, well, what does it mean to have a space that feels good to me today. It's, you know, not hyper-organized Pinterest board, beautiful. Right. But we can get back to like, okay, but what, okay, what really matters to me? Mm -hmm. When we're flooded with emotion, when our minds are going 50 miles a minute down like the negative self-appraisal railway, literally like resources are draining from our frontal lobe. We are just, we're not there right? We're in the red or we get to the blue Lego. We are not, we are not capable. We have, we have to slow it down. So how does that look? If you know, I mean, it's pretty common for somebody to say, I'm so overwhelmed. I just shut down. That's a, that's a very, I think, common um, thing for people to feel like when you were talking about the whole Lego thing in the first place, this is ADHD, right? We kind of can see that. So when you are in the shutdown, 
the the blue Lego. How how do you create that space? How do you get the bounce back in your house? Your, yeah. your bounce house, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I feel like it is so easy for me to get lost in the sea of unrealistic expectations in the world, and I what I'm sitting here musing on and that I I'm struggling with is I also. Like, my, my initial instinct is turn off every screen. Like, don't take in any external signal for, for a while, right? Shut it all down. And I live in a world that is connected this way. And my job is singularly required, uh, uh, requires of me to be connected in this way if I am to put food on the table. And so I'm trying to find the balance in my head. Like, what does it look like to have bounce in my house and to be enabled to live as a modern contributor to a struggling economy, <laughs> right? Uh, in, in such a way that, um, I can both wade into what I know is the sea of unrealistic expectations and also be strong enough in the the present, in the me, and the who I am in my own identity that I don't need to compare it to somebody else's. And I, I maybe that's the, uh, I guess that's the brass ring, right? Like, I, I, how do I get to a point where I'm so comfortable as me that I don't need to see me in you? That that brings up so many thoughts for me. It's like um, you know, that ADHD thing when ten thoughts hit at once. That's that's happening. I don't know anything um, about that <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all. First of all, we're interdependent beings. We always have the need to see ourselves in other people and have them reflect us back. We don't escape that. Mm. We shouldn't escape that fully. Um, social referencing can be helpful when it's not taken to the destructive place you're talking about. But I think part of it is also surrounding ourselves with the people who we can say, hey, can you like, you know, I I could use some affirmation or just I could use a moment to vent. Those people in our lives who reflect us back positively. Um, Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that that twist is important to me that it, it is not so much people that I need to see myself in other people. It's surround myself by the people that I want to see myself in other people, yes. right? That drive me to Very something good. new and, and, and that I am grateful that they might see a bit of themselves in me. There you go. You know, or, you know, provide an act of service where like acts of service tend to get us out of our own minds and like sort of back into that sense of shared humanity that can be really helpful. Um, you know, Nikki, you mentioned like that overwhelm that happens in those moments too. Um, how do I get the bounce back? I think it's important to remember that emotions really are their energy. They are like chemical and electric uh, impulses, you know, in our running through our brains. And so it needs, they need to move. They need to be honored and dealt with. And then like, we need to keep moving. What, when we really shut down is when we push it all away. We oh, push it all away, but really it can... Because you're not dealing with You're it not dealing. Time. Yeah. So of course it's too much. But the thing is for people with ADHD, even a little bit can feel like too much, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not quite the same as if we were talking about someone who's neurotypical. Mm-hmm. Because with ADHD, the, the small thing can send you into complete overwhelm and it's not proportionate in the way we'd expect. So it does look like, again, slowing down breaking it down to the smallest possible piece. And I like, I just really love the question. 
what is the next right action? What is the next Mm -hmm. best thing? Maybe it's just go get a glass of water and then you make another new decision. Mm -hmm. But how do I create some movement? If you're in total shutdown, one, you, you do need to think about how can I feel like safe in this moment? Would it feel good to have a cup of tea or a walk or a shower or talk to a friend or curl up and just take a half hour break? Or would it help to do some jumping jacks or, you know, have a, a dance party to some music and literally get some energy flowing again? Uh, but I, ADHDers struggle to take breaks, I've noticed, because yeah. it feels like we can't afford to. Mm-hmm. Because of all the stuff, all the stuff that's not done, all of the time that we were losing, and the sense of urgency that's with us always. Uh, you alluded to that, Pete, that sense of like just urgency that's lingering. So taking breaks can be really difficult and feel pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I've found that they're really, really important. Mm-hmm. And it comes down ultimately to just giving yourself permission to do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of us talk ourselves out of doing the things that are good for us because how can I do that when? Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, Michelle, so much. What are you doing? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. You I don't. Just, you I know, know, I can see it. Love Your it. brain goes completely fireworks and then you drop these bombs and I'm going to be thinking about this all day. Uh, this is a great, great topic. I'm yeah. so glad you were here to, to talk to us about it. Well, and so ably navigated what uh, I... I went into this this morning thinking, how are we going to shape a conversation around these three unrelated things? Phillips head screwdriver, uh, coffee cup, and cell phone. Mm-hmm. And yet you managed to do it. Like, it just, it's just delightful. You're, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Where do you, now you've moved since the last time we had you on the show. Where, are you, where do you want people to go find you? Yeah, I'm located in uh, Denver now at Enrich Relationship Center of Colorado. Uh, so my professional website is enrich, enrichcenter.org. Um, you can shoot me an email, drfrank at enrichcenter.org. Uh, you can also find uh, my in series work at adhdradicalguide.com. Uh, we keep posting, you know, blog pieces or media pieces, stuff like that there. So that's where you can find me also at, at ADHD underscore doc on Instagram. There you go. There's Great. your wading into the, the, I see it now. I, apparently, I can't go there anymore because I'll start comparing myself to you. Or maybe you're exactly <laughs> who I need to be comparing myself to. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> uh, this has been great. Uh, Michelle, thank you so, so much for joining us you're and welcome. joining our community. And uh, uh, thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We deeply appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.